Well, good morning. It's good for us to be here again. It's good for us to have you out there with us again. Um, chilled, relaxed, however you want to be. We are wrapping up our sermon series today um, called Let's Have a Difficult Conversation. And I was thinking about, you know, um, sitting down, or not sitting down, but being here with you today. And, and I was thinking about, hey, we, we're not having, you know, it's like, why are we having difficult conversations? We're not having difficult conversations just because we need to, like, get some scriptures and get in people's faces. That's really not why we're doing it. The the reason that we're having difficult conversations is because we need to keep growing. We need to keep um, uh, moving forward, moving toward God in our relationship to God. I, I put it down this way in my notes. When all we do is attend church to affirm what we've already achieved or what we already know, we have already begun to die. You want me to say that again for you? Think this through. Think about what it is that I feel like the Lord was saying to me. When all we do is attend church to affirm what we already have uh, achieved or what we already know, then we have already begun to die. We should show up and be asking God to, to kind of shake our lives a little bit and say, hey, Lord, what's going on in my life that needs to be changed a little bit so that I can become more like you? It's not about, hey, I got saved, I got my ticket, I'm going to heaven, and that's what it is. It's about, hey, I've, I, I've gotten saved, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, and I've entered into a relationship with God that has me on a journey with him, and we're going places. And eventually, I hope you're doing things. And I hope the things that we're doing, we're getting ready to go into the book of James, okay? I hope the things that we're doing are the things that we're saying when we're not in this building so that people will say, wow, there is some integrity there that I really want um, uh, to, to have in my life. And so today I want to look at a scripture um, in the book of Matthew. Um, this is the last one. And honestly, uh, there was just a whole number of different ways that I wanted to go. I, I had this whole sermon written out about a month ago about really bad meme theology. That's really what I wanted to do. I just wanted to absolutely trash some of the things that I see that people hold up and they take this scripture and then they try to form it over top of this particular problem that's going on either in our society or in their personal lives. And they try to see, say, see, that's what this means. When the fact of the matter is, what it means is, Jesus was saying, who can be saved? Or Jesus was saying, I'll go for, for one sheep. I'll go for the sheep um, and leave the 99 behind. And people are like, you don't want me to tell you what that means? It's like, if that's what you think that means, you aren't studying your Bible. And so I really wanted to do one on that. And it's like, no, um, in the middle of the last week and a half, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and I began to make some notes. And so I want to talk to you and I want to read out of this thing right here, a little archaic, but it's called a Bible. And if you've got your cell phone, your uh, you know implement of, of uh, demonic destruction, whatever it is, uh, your iPad, just go ahead and open up your Uversion app or I keep an NIV Bible on my actual iPad because that's just what I prefer. And we can talk about you know where Bibles come from later. But I want to open it up to Matthew chapter 19, and I want to talk about life change, and I want to talk about um, our marriages, and I want to talk about what happens in our lives when God interacts with what we're doing. Do, do you, we're going to talk about this a little more tonight, do you believe that there's a chance that God wants to, to touch your life in a miraculous way today? Today. 
Do you believe that there's a chance that God wants to say, I want to say something specific that, that's going on in your life. I want you to watch this video, okay? I want you to watch in this video how specifically that God did not speak to this couple generally. He spoke to them like this. Not like this, a whole group of people. Hey, Joe, say this to the whole group. Sometimes God wants to say, I want to talk to you personally. Watch this. My best friend of more than 20 years has been coming here for probably, I think, six or seven years. Um, she's invited us several times over probably the past year and a half, two years. Um, and I would always say, yeah, that sounds great. And then I would always come up with an excuse as to why we couldn't come. Um, we have a very wild two-year-old as well um, that, that likes to run around. So I was always nervous about how he was gonna act. When COVID hit, we started watching online. So I felt like, we both felt like that was a great opportunity for us to maybe try it out without technically trying it out. It was very convenient. Yeah, it was. <laughs> You know, we were at home in our PJs and the kids were running around and, you know, we're trying to eat breakfast and all of that. But yeah, watching it online was... But I think that took away some of the, the stresses and the worries that we may have had with, with the kids or, or even ourselves, you know. Our third Sunday in a row that we watched. So Pastor Joe started preaching that morning and we were sitting there watching and we had already, you know, started reading our Bibles and everything before we got started. So we closed our Bibles and started watching and um, Pastor Joe started, he brought up a verse in Matthew. And I was like, I just sat there. I was like, that is entirely too familiar. So I opened up my Bible and my marker was on that verse. Like that was the last verse that I had read before I closed my Bible. So I turned around, I was like, how weird. I was like, I just read that verse. Like that's, that's so strange. So um, Pastor Joe kept going about 10, 15 minutes later, and then he um, he brought up a verse in Genesis. So I was sitting there watching the TV and I could just see him turn just really slowly and look at me and his eyes got really big. And he opened up his Bible and his marker was on, the and that's the last verse that he had read in Genesis. And it was, it was unbelievable. Either Pastor Joe or God himself is in this house and they just kicked us <laughs> right in the butt. And we are going the very first Sunday that they open. The timing of us starting to watch was, had it was just perfect. I had personally been dealing with some issues with anxiety and panic attacks and I've, you know, I was in a, in a bad place in my mind and I uh, really didn't know where it was gonna go. And there was a particular message that at one point, I just found myself in tears. And I, I didn't know why. You know, I've always been the one that's, you know, never cries, I'm, you know, I stay strong. And I found myself, you know, shielding my, my face from her because I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. And then I think our first visit here, the very first Sunday that they opened, um, I don't even remember what song it was. Something just came over me and I just started just crying and crying and I just felt this weird feeling in my chest. It was just like, just it was just grabbing me and just squeezing me. And it was, 
It was unbelievable when we got in the car and and I turned around and I was like, it felt so good to be in there. Like, it was just the most amazing feeling. And then, like the first three weeks, because we had our two-year-old with us in the service, the first three weeks we went home and we actually watched the second service at home online just in case we missed something because we didn't want to miss anything. Like, we were just so, you know, we just wanted to soak it all in. And then Pastor Joe came on there during the second service and at the end of it, he was like, so if you have this feeling of somebody just in your heart and they're just, it just feels like somebody's just massaging your heart. And um, he said, that's the Holy Spirit. And I put my hands down and I turned around, I was like, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's what happened to me this morning. All of everything happening like it did. Um, and then the first, our first visit here, um, just as soon as we sat down, Bruce came up to us and so kind, and I'm not a hugger, but I wanted to hug Bruce, and I can't because of this whole COVID thing, and and he was just, you know, he introduced himself, and it, he just talked to us like he'd known us forever, and I think it just made us feel so comfortable. And then the second week we came, and the feeling was still there, and then we had talked about it after the second week, um, that we were, we wanted to surrender our lives. We were ready, you know, we wanted to call this place home, and um, the third week, after the service, we went um, in, and intentionally found Bruce um, at the prayer station and we surrendered our lives that night. It was actually Father's Day, or that day. Um, we surrendered then um, with the help of Bruce praying over us and, and it was just amazing. And then um, that very next Sunday was Pulse. And like I said, once, once all of these events started happening, there was no looking back for us. We are, we are all in. So we, I mean, we were just ready. Like there was, there was no second guesses. There was nothing. It was, you know, we didn't we want to put it off any longer. And once, you know, Pulse was announced and that's when baptisms were going to happen, we, we knew. Yeah, we, we signed up immediately. It was unbelievable. It was really a feeling that I had never um, experienced before, and it's it's been home for us since. And I know it's only been three months, but it's been it's been the most satisfying three months I think that we've had. I know yep. by far in our relationship and yeah, in our absolutely. lives. Yeah, we we didn't necessarily set out looking for a home, but we definitely found we one found here. It. So that's what it looks like when God gets in your business. That's what it looks like when God says, go ahead, make everybody stay home. I'll save them in their living rooms. Knock yourself right out. It'll be okay. And that's a story. We normally won't show a video over two and a half minutes. That's what we keep it at. But we couldn't clip that one anywhere. Michael kept trying and trying and trying. It's like, it just, the story needs to be shared. And that's just it. And that's what's going on. And that's what we're saying is when you come in here and you're not expecting God and you're too busy with, you know, the milk spilled in the kitchen and the kids are going wild. And it's like, there's got to be a place where you stop and you say, I just need to shut the world out, which is why we gather in here, which is why the lights are down. We're not trying to put on a show. We're just trying to eliminate outside stimulus from affecting you, and we want to hope and pray that you will stop and say, I just need to hear from God. And again, that's what our pulse is all about. So let's get into this difficult conversation that I want to share with you today from the book of Matthew, chapter 19, beginning at verse 1 and reading through verse 12, okay? That's what we're looking at today. 
It says, when Jesus finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went to the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that not anyone, excuse me, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept that word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some were eunuchs because they were born that way, others were made that way by men, and others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one, that who, the one who can accept this should accept this. Now, I'm putting this up there, and, and this could be a, a five, six, seven week long series that we can do. I just want to open up the conversation, I want to have a difficult conversation with you about the idea that this is what God says about marriage and so Jesus is out there teaching he's up in and around Galilee and he leaves there and he goes down toward Judea okay on the east side of the Jordan and he goes down to where John was doing the baptizing so he's somewhere near Jerusalem he's close enough that the Pharisees will come out and they will say hey let's go see if we can trap this guy and it's always with the Pharisees let's go see if we can trap this guy and in trapping him have a reason to kill him we got to get him off the planet. You know, enough is enough of this Jesus. He's taking people away from us. It, it, it needs to end. They had not spiritual motives for having a conversation with Jesus. They wanted to trap him. This isn't the first conversation he's had where the scripture says they said this in order to find an accusation against him or to trap him. And so they sit down and they say, this is going to be the question. Now they ask this question because something's going on in society. There is something going on, and they want to say, how are you going to say for us to do this? And we do this a lot. What we do is we take the Word of God, and we tear it up into a nice shape so it fits us, rather than taking us and tearing it up in a nice shape so it fits God. And see, we're getting it backwards, and we're wondering why God doesn't work. Hence the difficult conversation. We have to be the one to change. Even when it feels ridiculous, we have to be willing to say, huh, maybe I need to be doing this God's way instead of demanding that God does it my way. Another way of saying this is we make emotional decisions about our spirituality instead of spiritual decisions about our emotional well-being. And, and we, we're getting those things backwards. So this is what's going on. Jesus is, is doing some teaching, and they come up and they say, all right, let's pose a question, because there is enough of it going on at the time that um, it's going to cause a problem how he answers this. Now, we do live in a time where marriage is a bit tenuous. It's not always taken seriously. And you can understand that, uh, depending on where you want to get your statistics from, that marriages in, a, in America are div- dissolving at somewhere between a rate of 48% or 52%, and that's trickling over into the church as well. Now, hear me out to the end of this message, okay? Okay. 
Because the purpose of a difficult conversation is not to beat people up. The purpose of a difficult conversation is to say, what does the Bible say about what the Bible says? And then how do I move forward in this thing again? Okay, now here's the crazy part. The idea of the, 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 the marriages in America right now and the state of the family unit in America is not unique to 2020. If you back up a couple of thousand years, even before Jesus, so I can say at least 2,500 years, if you'll back up to the prophet Malachi, you'll understand that Israel was in a state of perpetual and astronomical divorce. They were. They were ignoring God, they were not tithing, and they were divorcing at a, 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 just a, an absolutely crazy rate. And so God had Malachi write this letter to the children of Israel and said, listen, you guys keep praying to me, and you cry out to me, and you wonder, God, we're faithful, we're crying out to you. And God is saying this, I'm paraphrasing it for you, okay, because I read that book. Um, but, but he's saying this, and he's saying, but, but your, your, your cries are not being heard because what you're saying is... And what you're doing are two different things. God is saying, listen, I want you to be faithful. And he's, this is what God is not doing. I've got rules and you better keep them because I'm the rule maker. This is what God is doing. Listen, I made some rules because I want you to have the most amazing, best life that you could ever have, bar none, and everybody will look at you and say, how can I get that life? And I want to protect you. So stay inside these, what was it Pastor Janice preached a couple weeks ago? Boundaries. Stay inside the boundaries because I want you to have this. It's no different than you letting your child play in the front yard but screaming bloody murder when they run out into the street. Well, who are you to keep them from running out in the street? You're just mom and dad. That's not right. You're limiting their fun. Really? You're not limiting their fun, are you? From their perspective, you are. But what you're trying to say is you're going to get hit by a car. And sometimes that's exactly what God is saying. In the book of Malachi, in chapter 2, Malachi, the prophet, speaks to the children of Israel and says, <clears throat> you ask why, and he's talking about, I don't answer your prayers. It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Two verses later, he says, I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering his wife with violence as well as his garment, says the Lord Almighty. I hate that you're, you're dismissing women and understand that Jewish law allowed for a man to get married and they had extricated this law and, and made the law so fine that if she burnt the toast pretty much they could get rid of her because they were displeased. It's how you interpret the word displeased. Okay, it was supposed to be if you found out she wasn't a virgin and you know you understood that going in that there's a problem and yes, you have a recourse. Okay, if you married somebody that's sleeping around. But then it turned into, well, I, you know, I don't like the way she gets up in the morning. I don't like the way she makes pancakes. I don't like the way, and believe it or not, it had become just about an, a, a financial institution or, or a means of, of living in Israel. You marry somebody, you get the dowry, you find something you don't like, you send her back home, but you get to keep the dowry because you were fooled. <laughs> and it becomes this thing. And then God says, listen, and I don't like you beating on your wife. He, he includes that in Malachi. I hate a man's covering his wife with violence. And that covering, that word for covering in the Hebrew language means hiding, hiding the violence that you're doing to your wife. God says, I see it. 
I know it's there. I know what's going on. And he talks about being unfaithful to her. And he talks about giving her your name, covering her with your garment. But then you beat on her and then you sleep around and have other, uh, other girlfriends. He, God is like, this has got to stop. And you wonder, this is God talking, and you wonder why I'm not answering your prayers. <laughs> He's like, there's got to be some integrity in your lives. Are you hungry for God? And today we want to talk about are you hungry for God and what does it mean for us to be in uh, marriage? Marriage is taken too lightly in our world today, not just in America, but it's disposable and it's almost cheap even. When it comes to most areas of your life, specifically and definitely marriage, but if it come, when it comes to most uh, areas of your life, I believe this. The difference between magnificent and mediocre you want a magnificent job? I want to talk to you today. You want a, a magnificent business? I want to talk to you today. You want a magnificent education? I want to talk to you today. You want a magnificent marriage? I want to talk to you today. The difference between magnificent and mediocre is your investment. What are you going to invest in your business? What are you going to invest in your education? Man, I was a C and D student at Wright State University in Fairborn, Ohio when I first tried to go to college about a year out of high school. I was terrible. I mean, I, I, I could do better than that staying at home and not working on a degree. So that's what I did. I went to work. But when it came time for me and I knew my calling and God said, I want you to go to Bible college, man, I was an A and an A minus student. Suddenly people were saying to me, what'd you get on that test? And I said, man, I got a 98. How could you not get a 98 on that test? And they're like, dude, you're wrecking the curve. They were just there fresh out of high school and they were just, you know, having their first experience at a Bible college so their parents could like straighten them out before they went to OSU. Okay. And it was just like, oh my word. I had purpose in that education. I invested myself in my education. And the same thing is true with our marriages. So job, finances, schools, friendships, home ownership, your house falling down around you. Did you get a nasty house? Man, we got a bad house. Well, let me ask you this. How much are you investing back in just your house? You got a business and you're wondering why it's not good? Let me ask you this. As the boss, are you the first to leave and the, and the first to, to go, excuse me, first to arrive and the first to go home? Or are you the first to arrive and the last one to work? Are you still working at, at 9 and 10 o'clock at night even when no, none of the employees are looking? Sure you are. Because you've got purpose. And you believe in what you're called to and what you're doing. Well, I believe that about marriage. And I'm telling you right now, marriage is something that you should never, ever, ever uh, not be investing in any given morning that you wake up you have to choose your marriage you have to pick it above everything and everybody you have a will you have a desire you have an ego and you have the ability to make it or to break it now listen in everything I'm gonna say today there are two people and there are two wills two people and two wills. And sooner or later, we're going to get to the end of this message, and I want to talk to you about that. But let me, do, let me just say, I do know, <laughs> I, I'm not fooled, okay? I, 37, married, 37 years into this almost now, and, and I, there, I promise there's two of us that have wills. 
Okay, people that meet me and think, man, he must be hard on his wife. He tells her what to do and when to do it. And people meet her, don't know me, and they're like, boy, I pity the man that has to be the doormat that that woman runs all over. And they meet us together and like, how on earth have you not killed each other to date? And it's like, because we invest. We invest and invest and invest in this marriage because there is nothing more important on our lives, in our lives on this planet. Our, our eternity is in heaven and we're headed that way, okay? But there is nothing more important than my marriage to me. And it comes first and I'm going to do my level best and when I screw up, I have to apologize any given moment. People do not fall in love. I'm going to tell you that straight up. They fall in lust and they fall in infatuation. But they don't fall in love. Because love is not an adjective to describe a feeling that you're going through. You have to work at it. But most people do not fall out of love. And people will say, well, we just fell out of love. No, you didn't. Listen, I love you. This is a tough conversation. You stopped investing. Man, my wife's got a whole box that I hope she burns before I die just so I can die with peace because I used to write poem after poem and some of them are the stupidest things you've ever heard in your life and she might give me one on one of my birthdays and it's like oh wow um, is this now mine to dispose of I don't have enough birthdays left to get rid of them all I don't but man when was the last time I wrote a poem to my wife I got a file on my on my um, on my my computer, 168 pages long of songs that I wrote to Jesus and to Janice. When was the last time I wrote a song? When was the last time I invested? See, we didn't fall out of love. We're not falling out of love. We don't have a marriage problem going. I'm just telling. You. Okay, but we don't fall out of love. We fall out of continuing to make investments in the other person. And if your brain just said, "Yeah, that's what my partner did," stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. Never, ever, ever, ever do you get to hold the mirror up to your partner. Ever, you only get to hold the mirror up to you. How are you doing? That's the question. Investing to make my marriage last. Are you ready? You have to invest time. Can I just be up here and, and just be thankful for a little bit and smile and can we laugh for just a second? Let me just tell you right now. I have a car. It's an investment of mine. It goes over 200 miles an hour. It is shiny, it is fast, and it is fun. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we're worried about you, Pastor Joe. We're praying. We're praying. You need a Volkswagen. Yeah, whatever. Okay? I have dogs. You've seen my dogs. I love my dogs. My dogs are shiny. My dogs are fast. And my dogs are a lot of fun. I'm just picking three areas of my life. I train them. I train them. I train them. I can take them to the store. They will behave. They will not eat your little puppy, little schmooshy, schmooshy, whatever you call your dog. Okay? They could, but they won't. Heaven help you if you do anything to my wife. All bets are off at that point. Okay, there's three of them, and every one of them is over 100 pounds. Okay, that's 300 pounds of teeth and no tails because they got bobbed. Just teeth coming at you to protect mama. All right? So I love my dogs and my marriage. My marriage takes an everyday investment, a kiss, a prayer, a pat, a conversation, adventures, her wants, my wants. Man, she is shiny, she is fast, and she is fun. My car and my dogs and my marriage and, and, and my life. 
But the areas that I see as most important, I have to invest time. I don't get good dogs by saying, be good, be good, be, be nice, be nice to people, don't eat people, please don't eat people. That's not how you, you do that. You have to actually take that dog and you have to go invest time in it and do something with it. You don't get a good marriage by saying, well, we're married, I said I loved you, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Okay, that's not how you be married. That is not how you do it. Man, I wooed her. I'm like, girl, come on. You marry me. Come on. And she's like, well, you're the best thing going right here right now. So I guess. Um, she had pity on me, whatever you want to call it. All right? But I invested, 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 and I'm still investing. And I didn't stop. Investing got me a wife. Why would I quit now? So I'm doing that. <clears throat> Same thing with any other area of my life. I spent time looking for the right car, and frankly, Nathan Mitchell hit me up because I'd said something to him two years earlier. And he said, hey, I saw something the other day, and the Lord brought that price way down to ridiculous. I don't know what you think that thing cost me, but it wasn't. It was this. And uh, so it's there. I spent time going from kennel to kennel, not driving, but online, kennel to kennel. I had to fill out application after application after application to get approved to buy one of these kennels' dogs. You know, and I always led with, well, I'm a pastor, you know, because I hope they have sympathy on me and like, well, maybe he's moral and upright, but I'm just going to tell you the state of the church in America today, I'm not convinced that helped me a bit, all right? I'm just saying, I finally found the one I wanted and it cost me and I had to invest in those dogs. And I love big dogs and we, we have puppies and things like that and it's absolutely wonderful. But I'll tell you what. I didn't invest more time looking for my car and looking for my dog than I did looking for my wife. I knew approximately what I was looking for, and then I decided it was time to invest, invest, invest. People don't want to invest ahead of time in marriage. And that usually means they're thinking about what they'll get from it rather than what they'll give to it. You've got to invest the time. And when you're like, hey, girl, come on, let's just get married. Let's just do this thing. It's like, whoa, 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 back that up. Get to know each other, man. you got to go do some dating with each other. And don't get the cart before the horse. You know what I'm talking about. There might be some kids in here, so I'm not going to get explicit with you. Don't get the cart before the horse. As soon as you objectify somebody, you stop thinking about them as a human being. And you start thinking about them as a pleasure, pleasure route. Don't do that. Spend some time dating. Spend some time holding hands. Spend some time doing something stupid like writing poetry. And listen, you girls can write poetry too. Don't, don't be look, your wife looking at you like, come on, write me a poem. Look back. Look back. Say, girl, I ain't got one from you yet. Come on. Pastor Joe said, write him a poem. You know what I liked to, before I was ever a pastor? I used to love when the flower person would come to work and it would be like, here's flowers. And people are like, you got flowers? It's like, yeah. Well, who'd you get flowers from? My wife. She do something wrong last night? No. Why'd she send you flowers? I said, because she loves me. Your wife ever send you flowers? No. I wonder what that means. Put it right back on them. I promise you, flowers on my desk at work where I used to work made people walk by and go, man, I want flowers. I want flowers. Yeah. Hey, ladies, send your man some flowers. You'd be dumbfounded how something that stupid will change his whole day. Invest time. Writing poems, picnics, ice skating, dinners. Marriage isn't just about sex, but if it starts with that, there's a good chance it's going to end in pain. 
I wish there were guarantees for marriage, but there's not. It's work, but it's fun work if it's not all about you. It's just like your job. Find a job that you want to do that's a lot of fun, somebody once said, Ziegler said, and you'll never work a day in your life. Make your marriage that. So many people say to me, a roll of the dice, that's what you guys got. You rolled that dice and you came out the winner. Or I hear, I hope this is the right one. Or I will say, hear people even say to her and I, well, um, you found the right one and you got lucky. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we did not get lucky. Man, you got to get that out of your thinking. It is not luck. There is no right one. There is no just the one. That is a lie that you have been sold. It's a lie that people buy into that there is just one person. that is. God has this specific and special. Listen to me. I believe that the Lord already knows who you're going to pick. But I do not believe that God said, this is who you're going to marry to all seven billion of us. I don't believe that. I do not believe that. Otherwise, um, Proverbs 31, you know, that part that women hate to read every Mother's Day that pastors get it out and they say, this is a Proverbs 31. It would be a woman's name instead of a list of qualifications. The the scripture in Titus and Timothy would be not a a list of leaders of the church. It would be a name. Hey, girls, go find somebody like this. No. Hey, girls, go find Bill. Hey, girls, go find Joe. Hey, girls, go find William. No, 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 no. It's work. It is specifically work. See, if we think that God has a special someone out there for us and we just got to find it, then at any given moment you can say, ah, I got that one wrong. Sorry, pitch this one. Let's go on to the next one. And that's not what God is saying. He's saying pick one and love her like she never dreamed of being loved. Neither one of Janice and I got lucky. Let's see, it's, uh, it's 1030 right now. So we've been married for 36 years, 8 months, 13 days, 14 hours, excuse me, yeah, 15 hours and 15 hours. That's how long we've been married. Say, what? It was, eight, it was 7.30 is when the, the service started, 8.30 when the service was over. It was an hour-long service. December 16th, 1983. Yeah. Every once in a while she has to say, how long were we married? Because she doesn't get it right. You were here a couple of weeks ago, and she's like, oh, my husband knows. And I'm telling you, 36 years, 8 months, 13 days, 14, excuse me, 15 hours at this moment right now. And well, now it's uh, um, and, uh, 61 minutes, so an hour and one minute. There you go. We're there. But I'll tell you what, we've invested. And the most important place to invest is ahead of the wedding, not after the wedding. Keep investing after the wedding. But I won't do a wedding without five weeks of counseling. Because when you have four, more than four weeks of counseling, the odds of that marriage staying together go through the roof. It goes up over 73% in America if you get four weeks or more of counseling. You know what that says? Invest in getting to know each other. Talk to each other. Discuss important issues with each other. The second thing you have to invest is sacrifice. When you get up, are you going to put your spouse first? I'm watching the time. You have to choose to sacrifice every day, and it's time for us to grow up. It is. You don't choose children first. Hate me for it? Please, send me an email. Let's have a conversation. You don't choose children first. Children are a gift from God. You chose your mode. Not a one of you made a covenant with your kids. That, uh, those of you that are married that have children, not a one of you sat them down and said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, I will, uh, no, you didn't do that. 
There's no covenant. You open that little gift and, and you were like, God has blessed us. And three days later, you're like, where's the grandmas? I thought they're supposed to help us. You're like that. You know, you know. And you're, you, you forgot that it's a gift. But you stayed there and stayed there. That sh- you will always be that child's mom or dad. Always. But you made a covenant before God with your marriage partner. And if you don't know what God thinks about covenants and vows, I just would encourage you to, to get into your word. Get into the Bible and just say, hey, I'm going to start looking to see what God says about vows. Incredibly, incredibly important. You don't put children first. That is not God's plan. And your way has a high opportunity of failure, and God's way has a high opportunity of success. What do you want from marriage? Failure or success? And listen, I'm not here to throw rocks at people that have failed at marriage. I'm not. Please do not hear me saying that. I'm just having a difficult conversation with you to say, hey, wherever you are right now in your relationship, stop. And let's determine what the foundation can be because the foundation has to be Jesus. So you invest in sacrifice. When you don't go all in and you don't prioritize your spouse every morning, when you're not sacrificing what you want for your marriage, you cross the line. Because this is what Scripture says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See? I'm not the high and mighty I'm not the man, so do what I say. It says right here, submit to one another. How did Christ love the church? Go ahead and do it. The explorer Cortez, when he came to Central America, burned his ships. Why did he burn the ships? Because he's going forward. When you get married, you burn the ship of your past. We're done with other um, relationships. We're not letting anybody come in. Pastor Janice said, listen, you've got to shore up those boundaries, and that's the way it is. I don't go meet with women by myself. It does not happen. I have an incredible spouse who's got some incredible wisdom, and if if somebody wants to talk to me, she can sit down with us. Generally, I will say, hey, you want to talk to somebody smart who's also like really like a woman like you, and that's the one right there. And some of you, we've, we've directed people to you too. That's the way it's supposed to be. You say, oh, you don't understand. Yeah, I'm, call me provincial. Call me whatever you want, but call me almost 37 years married. Okay, don't forget that part. Don't forget that part. Call me a Jesus chaser. Chaser, don't forget that part. According to Jesus, adultery ends a marriage vow. According to Jesus. Okay? So when we're thinking about the way life goes, according to Paul, abandonment, this is still biblically speaking because we we believe the Holy Spirit wrote the Scripture, abandonment ends a marriage. According to Deuteronomy, you cannot divorce somebody and then go back and remarry them after the marriage in between crashes. Can't do it. It's an abomination. It's unclean before God. You can't do that. We're supposed to live above the law, not below the law. When we're free from the law, we live above it. See, this is our call. The last thing is consider your vows. That's where I was walking you right into it. Take them seriously. I need to tell you this, marriage is not about your happiness. Marriage is not about your happiness. Never was, never will be. Happiness is a choice. You can find happiness in any circumstance that you're in, believe it or not. All you have to do is get off of your own throne. That's all you've got to do. Stop making yourself the most important person in the relationship. 
for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, till death do us part. Remember that vow. That's the one that keeps you saying, hey, you know what? It doesn't have to be about me today. I'm sorry I let it get, go this far. Let's work on it. Marriage is not about somebody's spending habits. Oh, they spend too much, therefore uh, it's all over. No, if, if I can't rein in their spending and I can't, no, that, I'm sorry, your marriage vows were not about your spending habits. I doubt very seriously anybody watching or anybody in this room said, well, you know, let me put some conditions on that. Nope. Marriage is not about uh, addictions. It's not about your pornography issues. Marriage is not about being mean. Well, they were mean. Nope, that's not what it's about. It's not about what you'll do or won't do financially. Marriage is about the covenant and the vow that you made. And God tells us it's better to not make the vow than it is to make it and break it. That's what he says. This could go on for four weeks. And I'm, I promise it's not going to. I'm going to wrap it up right here. But it could. There comes a time when circumstances absolutely will not allow you to fulfill your vows. There really does. There comes a time. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with your life. You've done everything physically, emotionally, and relationally possible to put this thing back together. And it's not going to happen. And it's at that point that it is important for you to draw close to God Somebody's been divorced, split up for a couple of uh, weeks. That's not the time for them to start the dating again. Absolutely not. There has got to be a period of time where you draw close to God and say, I need counseling, I need help, I don't need to do that again. Because most persons will marry the same person that they just split up from. They will. That's why they married them to begin with. Without doing some introspection, you're going to find yourself back in that same hole. And I just want to say this, there comes a time when circumstances do not allow you to fulfill your vows. When the circumstances are clearly out of your hands, meaning you cannot do anything to make it work, at that point you have to move forward. You have to move forward. You have to. You can't go back. You have to move forward. If there's a chance to work it out, you're going to give it a shot. It's not as if there's a chance for you to have it your way, you're going to give it a shot. No. You made that mistake going into it. When you go into a marriage, it's not like, what can they do for me? Stop. Stop. You enter a marriage saying, what can I do to make them feel like the most important person in the world? And if you're in the marriage going, yeah, they never made me feel important, you missed the whole point of what I just said to you. You just made it all about you. You just did it. Anytime you take the scripture, anytime you take the Bible, and you do this to somebody else and say, you need to, you've missed the whole point of the scripture. Galatians chapter 6 says, measure yourself against this word, yourself, and then share your fair share of the load. When you enter marriage with a 50-50 understanding of marriage, you've missed the point of marriage. It's 100% a hundred percent and then if you can't give 25% you are still solidly linked together if you go in with 50 50 the first time you can't give 50% there is a hole in your marriage and it only ever gets bigger divorce is not the unpardonable sin in the Bible there's only one so we have to back up and say, then how do we understand 
moving forward. What do we do, Pastor? I believe that God wants to meet you where you are. I think he wants to meet you in your marriage that's wonderful. I think he wants to meet you in your marriage that's struggling. I think he wants to meet you in your singleness right now. But I promise you this, he wants to meet you. And he wants to touch your life. And he wants to say, hey, it's going to be all right. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. That's not a word Christian people should be using. But we're going to find ourselves at some time in a difficult situation. Let me say this, and I'm going to say it as carefully as I can. I'm going to wrap this whole thing up. Sorry. I really thought I was going to be short today, but what an idiot. I'm a liar. Um, I'm working on it. The phrase in Matthew 19, commits adultery. Okay? Let me see if I get this right. I went to a Greek professor at a university a long time ago, 1994, and I sat down and I said, what does that mean in the Greek? Commits adultery. He divorces that person, they commit adultery. In our minds, it's ongoing adultery. But that's not what it means. If I got this right, I tried to memorize it 27 years ago, 25 years ago. It's an aorist tense of a Greek past participle. Now, if that does not make you think I am the smartest person in this room right now, then I might as well just quit my job, okay? Because that sounds pretty heady to me. Simply put, it means this. You did something, it's done, and it's in the past. It's not ongoing, it's not chasing you. It's in the past. Here's the deal. Don't do it again, or again, or again or again. Sooner or later, stop. Sooner or later, stop and get some help. Sooner or later, we have to come to the understanding life is not all about me. In my marriage, life is not all about me. It has its moments, and it has them for her as well, but it's us, and we're in this thing together. And so I want to encourage you, today is a day where we stop and we say, relationships matter to God more than we can imagine. I don't know what you're going through, but let's just pray to the Lord. We're going to move into this song. We're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Fathers, we come before you. This is your word. Where I've misused it, God, feel free to bring me home. Check me out. I'm trying to understand what you're saying to me when I share these things, Lord. I just ask and pray that you would continue to be God to us. We thank you and we praise you for this. Open up our hearts. In Jesus' name, open up our hearts. Let me just say this. If you're in a difficult relationship and you've got the courage to do it, or if you just are outside of a relationship that broke, do me a favor. Can you stand up and we want to pray for you? Just, I'm not going to ask you to go outside. I'm just going to say, before I leave this stage, can I pray for you? If you find yourself on the other side of this and you felt like, wow, this just feels like I'm getting rocks thrown at me and I just feel horrible about myself, that's not the way I want you to leave. And that is not the way that God wants you to leave. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Is that all right? Can you just stand up wherever you are right now? I'm not trying to humiliate you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. That's all. That's all. Are we there at all? I know this is the message we were supposed to end with. If you felt like it was for you, I just want to make sure we get to pray for you before you leave here. That's all. I got no rock to throw at you. <laughs> you want to look at my life, I'm going to need you to pray for me. Okay? I just want to pray for you. Good? All right. Listen, I'm not going to twist your arm. 
If you're facing something that you would like prayer for and you don't know which direction to go for, it has nothing to do with the marriage message. You're just like, Pastor Joe, I really would like prayer today. We're not going to put people out there. We're going to leave everybody in here. We just want to pray for you before we leave. Would you stand up? You're facing a surgery. You're facing a tough decision. You're facing a struggle. Uh, you want a, God to touch your life, whatever that might be. Maybe you're thinking, man, that pulse tonight, I want to surrender my, uh, my life. If that's you, can I pray for you this morning? All I want you to do is stand up. That's it. Can I do that for you? There you go. Good job. There you go. Yeah. Listen, that doesn't mean they're weaker Christians than me. I can tell you that right now. I'm standing up here begging all of you to pray for my hip. It's killing me. I had a conversation for two hours with a man on the phone the other day who's a counselor. And I said, I just want to get closer to God. Pray for me. Yeah. That, that's nothing to be ashamed of. We come to church to get help. Anybody else before we pray? Okay. Yeah. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Those of you that are left, okay? You're in here. If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you don't have to be perfect, but you're trying to walk with God. You have to understand that your prayers matter. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Okay? I want you to turn to somebody who's standing up, whoever's closest to you. You don't have to get up and go to them. We're maintaining our careful distance. Those of you that are out there, please feel free to go to vineyardrichmond.com, click the chat button, and, and put your prayer request there so that we can pray for you as well and even during the week. But this is what I want you to do. This is the vineyard. We do this. A would that man everywhere lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing towards somebody who's standing up here. We want to lift you up. Listen. We want you to know that we're praying for you, and we're praying for you, and we're praying for you, and we're praying for you. That's what we're doing. So let's pray. God, who is God in heaven, as we come before you right now, these people in their hearts are hungry for you. They're hungry for a touch from you. They're hungry for a healing from you. They're hungry for the awareness. God, I believe your love is here. I believe that your love came down here, that you raised your love from the dead, and God, that you seated him on the throne next to you. But I believe that your Holy Spirit is here in the love of God. And God, we just speak love upon these people. We just ask and pray that you're overwhelming them with an awareness of what that is that their heart and their soul is crying out for, whether it's a physical healing, God, whether it's an emotional or relational healing, whether they're just hungry to sit in the room with you, God, then our prayer is that you would reach in and touch their heart right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, you said whatever we forgive on this earth, God is forgiven in heaven. And so we forgive them. We say your sins are gone. The blood of Jesus Christ paid for it thousands of years ago. Now receive this freeness from that. Re receive the freeness from the shame and from, from the terrible abuse that maybe you heap upon yourself. God, we speak healing to them like you brought healing uh, to Jesus when you raised him from the dead. And then you said that, that that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. God, we just speak healing to their physical bodies. And I pray, God, that you would open up avenues for uh, greater and deeper relationships in their lives. We thank you and praise you for our opportunity to be here today. And we release this in Jesus' name. Amen.